You're listening to In The Company, a podcast about humanising work and designing better working lives. Each episode is curated to provoke you to think more deeply about things that matter in your career and life and how to build your toolkit for how to thrive as a human in business today. We explore how we work from the inside out. I'm Kylie Lewis, and it's great to be in your company. Welcome. Today, we're in the company of Claire Desira. Claire is a writer, coach, speaker, and founder of the Top 5 Movement, her side gig from her full-time corporate role. In December 2006, Claire started a daily practice of journaling her top five moments from the day and has done so every day since. She now has over 2,000 top five lists, totaling more than 10,000 memories. The impact of her daily gratitude practice has been so profound that she created the Top Five Movement as a way of encouraging people to foster greater happiness, confidence, and energy in their lives. Earlier this year, Claire's Positive Thought Starter Cards won Product of the Year. Welcome, Claire. Thank you, Kylie. Claire, I'm so excited to speak to you today. We always have a bit of a laugh and a, and a good chat when we get together. But one of the reasons why I was so keen to get you onto the podcast was because for all the talk of building a daily gratitude practice that's you know, espoused out in the world, you're someone that has actually done it and continues to do it and reap the benefits of it. So I'm very excited to share somebody who has actually walked the, walked the talk um, and, and done it. But before we get into that, I just wanted to ask you, what did little Claire love doing as a child? Oh, I had great fun as a child. I remember being outside a lot and collecting things and I grew up in the country and life just felt simple and free. I, I was a townie. I lived in town, not on a farm, um, but we, I pretty much just hung out with the other kids in the neighbourhood and where, went wherever the fun was really. So um, did you have any brothers or sisters? Did you, you know, like hanging out with, with mates, you know, with that country freestyle sort of free range kids roaming kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. I had an older brother, um, two years older, James, and we had some great neighbours. We actually had a playground out the back of our house. So it wasn't ours. It was like a council playground. And we just spent so much time there playing cricket or footy or, you know, collecting cards, whatever the latest kind of fad was. We were just, yeah, having having the best fun, yeah. just making it up as we went along. So that kind of idea of growing up in the country and life being simple, I know that that's something that has been a thread that has emerged in your work, which we'll get onto a little bit later. But um, how maybe has your childhood growing up in the country impacted your life um, in the city now? Oh, it's a great question. I I really like meeting other country people that are in the city. I feel like there's this unsaid thing, like when you're chatting to people and you find out where people are from and you hear that someone's from maybe a regional country town like yourself, that it's like there's this unsaid connection um, and you're less involved and aware of probably, I think, some of those unsaid politics around maybe where you grew up in Melbourne or where you went to school. Like I've got no idea what any of that means when people talk about it or connect in that way. So whilst maybe I'm, I'm missing a, a strong network that some of that seems to bring, I've actually loved 
moving to Melbourne and which I've been here for a while now, but really starting fresh and being really open to meeting new people and kind of not being, not necessarily bound by those, um, those lifelong um, connections that people have that have grown up in Melbourne, but just, I guess, being a little bit naive and free to go wherever um, my heart's wanted to connect. So as an adult now, can I ask you, I'm always curious as to find out from, from where we were as children to where we find ourselves today in our adult lives, what are three things that you believe in now? Oh, I believe in so much. Um, I, I think that the best things in life are free and it's important to keep it simple. As you've mentioned, um, we have more answers than we realise and it's always cool to be kind. Yes, I absolutely love all of those and I'm guessing that what informs your work as a coach comes very strongly from those beliefs that you hold. Absolutely. So could you tell me a little bit about what the top five movement is? Yeah, sure. So I guess I'll, I'll explain what a top five is and, and you've touched on this before, but uh, at the end of every day, I write down five positive memories from each day. So it's as simple as that. That's what writing a top five is called. And it's one habit that I remember reading about in a magazine years and years ago, over a decade ago. And it was amongst some tips in an article around how to be happier. And it had tips in there like drinking eight glasses of water, having five veg and two fruits. And then it was around capturing positive moments from any day. And I can't even remember now whether there was a number, but I decided at that point that I was, that was going to be five and that I was going to start doing that. And it's one of those habits that I've, I've truly stuck to. Um, not one of the many other ones that I've said, oh, I'm going to start this habit. It will be helpful. And I guess I, as a result, I've collected over 10,000 memories from doing that. And it, it's absolutely one of the most instrumental ways to increase your happiness, just looking out for those positive moments from every day. They don't need to be huge. They're just the small things, the small wins that you have, maybe just making it in time for a um, to catch the train or connecting with somebody or doing something on your to-do list that had been there for ages that you just hadn't got around to doing and that just that feeling of, of achievement. Um, so it's the tiniest things and it really, you know, since, since doing that habit, I've learned a lot about gratitude, which is so hot right now, as you mentioned. Um, and also that there's a lot of uh, a big body of evidence that sits behind this way of thinking and actually training your brain to look out for the positive. Um, anyone can do it. It transcends age and religion and um, has so much evidence to back it up. And, and I'm without a doubt, a better woman, sister, daughter, friend, um, employer, employee, because of this tiny little habit that I, I squeezed in at the end of my day um, so many years ago. So why do you think this habit stuck? Oh, I think I was getting so much positive emotion from it. I wouldn't have known that at the time, but it, it meant that my day looked like, um, it looked completely different because when my head hit the pillow at the end of the day, I wasn't worrying about what I hadn't done. My head hit the pillow having just come off the buzz of writing down some positive reasons to remember that day. And so, you know, I've got no doubt that I was sleeping better. I was excited about life. Um, yeah, I was just, I was really noticing and appreciating things. And it, again, it, it's so simple. It's one of those 
habits that is so simple and easy to understand that people can dismiss it. Um, I think sometimes when we understand something, we assume, understand how something works, we assume that we're going to understand how it's going to actually make us feel. But knowing something and, and doing it or applying it are completely different. Um, and so I, I think that's why it made, made a difference. And probably to other people, the impact of it wasn't as obvious probably. Um, but then after a little while, people would say things to me like, you're always looking on the positive side or you're really quick to see the positive as well because I'd been training my brain to see this. And you know, without realizing even at the time, I've since learned that this type of habit can actually transform your brain's default from the negative to the positive frame. And so unknowingly, I, I would have been doing this for years. Um, and yeah, and it, it's really paid off, um, especially in uh, sometimes you don't realize how impactful something is until, um, sorry, I'll start that thought again. Um, it's really paid off. I know that there was one day that it particularly helped our family. This habit was actually one of our toughest days. So I think it's easy for people to assume that maybe my life's sunshine and lollipops and that's why every day I've been able to find five things. But that's not actually true. I, I live a human life and there's highs and lows. And this one particular day was um, the day my brother, who is a returned soldier um, and was suffering from some pretty significant PTSD issues, he tried to take his life. Mm-hmm. And it was actually um, on that day where my mum and dad and I, at the end of the day, we sat down and we were about to go to bed and settle in for probably a really sleepless night. And I said, we need to remember today for five positive reasons. And you know what? We came up with them, even on one of the toughest days in our life. And it was little things like getting a park right outside the hospital. It was the lady at the hotel we were staying in because we'd had to travel interstate to to be there for him, Um, letting us have a late checkout with no questions asked. She could see that our family, something was happening. And the little things like that were worth remembering that day for positive reasons. There can be no more powerful time to be able to call on that kind of practice, undoubtedly. Um, but you had actually started the practice even before that moment arised with your family. So what a powerful gift to be able to offer up in some of the darkest times. Yeah, I'd started it years before. And so it was my go-to, it was my natural default. And it, it would be easy for people to not put that habit in place on a, on a tough day. You know, that would be a good reason not to, but it's actually probably the most important time to draw on those skills. And it's, it's a mental health routine. And people talk about physical health routines a lot. That's easier to understand. But, but writing a top five is a really simple and easy mental health routine that any of us can put in place at any time. Yes. So Sean Aker, who's the positive psychologist who um, he's written, I think, is it The Happiness Habit? That, yeah. Um, yes. Um, yes. And he talks about oh, the happiness advantage. The happiness advantage. That's right. Um, and he talks about it being a, a hygiene habit. So just as we brush our teeth every day and take care of cleaning our teeth, we practice the grat- a gratitude practice or a happiness practice, where we prime our brain for positivity. Is a is a hygiene habit. Is a mental hygiene habit to take care of, if you like, cleaning our brain. Yeah. Yeah. It totally is. 
And that touches on some of the research that you mentioned. There's, there is now an, an ever-increasing body of evidence about the importance of priming ourselves for pos- positivity in the kinds of habits that we can have each day, which you're obviously um, living proof of that. Do you, do you have any insights as to what, what some of the more recent evidence is coming out? Yeah, look, I, I know that um, there's a pretty alarming statistic around mental health in Australia and it's likely that 45% of Australians will experience a mental health condition in their lifetime and that's diagnosable um, mental health conditions as well. So it's not just people feeling a general level of anxiety or stress, it's actually people that have diagnosed. Um, it's a, I want to change this stat, you know, I want to be able to share habits and tools and tips that people can disrupt those unhelpful thoughts um, and really support themselves to think differently and to think more positively. And, you know, positive is a word that's thrown around a lot and people can shut off really quickly. But if you swap it with helpful at any time, you know, instead of think positively, think helpfully, um, then I think people can understand what the power of this so so why did you start the top five movement uh well I I really wanted to share this habit this for me it was about sharing this habit with the world but it was so much more so uh, 14 years ago I attended my first personal development program not really even knowing that that's what it was it was it was branded as a leadership program and I was a young keen um, business student at university uh, and my boss had suggested it and not being someone to shy away from an opportunity said, of course, I'll go. Um, and I went along thinking I'd meet some new people, maybe learn a few things, but my life was never the same again. Um, it was a chance to be out in the fresh air and work with some incredible leaders and learn the value of space and self-awareness and how that can translate into self-esteem and courage and confidence and passion. And actually at that week, I learned what my values were. I must have always known, maybe unconsciously, but I discovered that my values were around love and joy and family and making a difference and productivity, which might sound a bit jarring, but for me around productivity as a value is around how I can have the biggest impact I can. And so those values really started to spur on and guide the decisions that I was making daily. Not long after that, I discovered the top five tool. And then a couple of years after that, I had the opportunity to become a fellow with the Centre for Sustainability Leaders. And through that experience, we had to really craft up as a, as a leader in the field of sustainability, what we stood for. And so that was a really great opportunity for me to really think about the connection between these happiness and gratitude habits and the vision that I had for the world. And I had the opportunity to really articulate that and started to imagine what the world could actually look like if everybody wrote a top five. You know, this tiny little habit, grabbing your pen and notebook at the end of the day and and reflecting on the positive moments and linking that with the research and Like I truly hand on heart believe that if everybody wrote a top five and focused more on the positive, that the world would be a different place. And 
that people would connect more meaningfully and we would be healthier physically and mentally than we ever have been, that small things would make the world go around and there'd be nobody in need because we would all recognise how much we already have and how much we already have to, to give others as well. So I guess that those experiences coming together really led me to start the Top 5 movement and the business is now packaged up around simple tools for a happier life. So anything that I create or discover, um, I share as, as far and wide as I can so that people can really pick the tools that, that resonate with them and give them a go. Um, I do a lot of speaking and facilitating with groups from community groups um, to universities, schools, businesses, um, coaching around mindset, confidence and clarity um, and also a product that I launched not too long ago, which has now won a product of the year award, which is fantastic. And again, isn't just another tool for priming people for positivity or helpful thinking. Mm. So I think what's, what I find fascinating about this whole area is that we often show up to work or show up in our families into situations sometimes of our, of not of our own doing that aren't happy, that aren't easy, that aren't, um, you know, positive in any way, shape or form. And this situation with your brother is a prime example of that. And so this isn't about necessarily saying that we, we crave, we, you know, we craft this joyously happy life, you know, that doesn't, that never has hard moments. What I see you doing is saying when those hard moments arise, having a practice that helps us deal with that and and having a, a brain that acknowledges that this is a difficult time and that we can also get through it is one of the things I think that is a skill that is missing in a lot of um, professional development programs. So it's really interesting to me that it came this came to you through through some work development. Yes, yeah, it did. Yeah, any any really development opportunity that. Um, I can take on, I really take on maybe too many sometimes because then you can get in that space of collecting so many things and, um, yeah, there's, there can be like that, um, that funnel of having so many things you want to share and also you really, I only really like to share things that I've had the chance to apply myself so that you're kind of walking the talk as well, try and try things out and test it too. So um, it was through a work opportunity. Um, it was also through Rotary. So it, my boss was a Rotarian and this is a program that was run um, for young people by young people through Rotary Yeah, that I first attended. Yeah. So how would you say that this has shown up for you in your work? The top five? Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, top five and anything I've learnt from development and coaching as well is just the mindset that being able to really reframe to the positive and learning that we only have a number, a certain number of thoughts a day. And it's actually a huge number. Some research suggests that we have 65,000 thoughts a day. So no wonder we're tired because that is, that's a lot of thoughts. So a lot of these thoughts are actually unconscious. Um, and for the average person, for 65% of those thoughts are actually negative which is pretty sad when you think about it. Um, but also what um, was exciting to learn is that 10% of thoughts every day are 
new thoughts. So we can add in new thoughts every single day. And so I guess what I've been doing for over these many years is adding in as many helpful and positive thoughts as I possibly can into that new space each day because that's then an investment in the thoughts for the next day. So those thoughts go on and repeat again and again and again because they get caught up in that loop. Now, when you add new thoughts into your mind or, or you're concentrating on those thoughts that you're maybe aware of or those unconscious ones, they actually impact directly how you're feeling which impacts how you show up in the world as well. So it's actually really important. Um, and so focusing on, on the thoughts that you're having and trying to make sure that they're as helpful as they possibly can or listening to the, the thoughts that aren't necessarily helpful and just, just having a bit of a sense check around, is there something I need to learn from this or is this just uh, a thought that's coming up out of habit um, is really important and impacts everything you do every single day. Um, for um, for me, I a couple of years ago, I was struggling um, health-wise. So with work, I actually had been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and um, was struggling really for energy. And having been always quite ambitious and having my goals set on things at work, like a lot of other people were around maybe getting a promotion or getting a pay rise, actually worked with a coach and put all of that on pause and I set a goal around working with love and purpose every day. So it's a different type of goal. It's what's called a feeling-based goal and it's, it's, what, it's the type of goal setting and coaching that I'm trained in myself where you work through a, a six-session process with people around really trying to focus on that goal, putting that goal front and centre. So my goal was working with love and purpose every day and that's how I really wanted to try and cope and work through that situation. Uh, and it sounds fluffy compared to a goal like getting a promotion or a pay rise, but what it actually looks like every single day was around me thinking, what are the different ways that I can bring love into my day? And part of my work then is was, was and still is working in a corporate environment. So you know, throwing that word around again might sound really fluffy, but what that actually meant, you know, the, the instrumental actions that I was taking was being really um, self-loving, so really looking after myself, making sure I was resting, um, eating well, being healthy, also meant that I was connecting in with my work. So just really actually appreciating taking a couple of minutes before and after each interaction to really think about what it was that I'd done with that time and really connect with it rather than just be speeding through a to-do list, actually be connecting with stakeholders and reflecting on the outcomes of an, an action that I'd just taken or an email that I'd taken or how I could actually um, connect with my teammates a little bit more and be that positive force around other people. Working with purpose every day meant being really organised, really effective um, really productive, which is it lines up with my values and was really motivating for me. So it was around learning, learning new ways to work harder. Uh, sorry, to work smarter, not harder as well. And it really made a difference. And like, as a result, I actually got a pay rise and a promotion anyway, even though they weren't on on the radar. You know that 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 wasn't actually the plan. It was tuning into those feelings that was actually really, really effective and made a huge difference to how I was working. That's so powerful. And it reminded me of uh, a 
Jill Bolte Taylor, um, the neuro, um, the neuroscientist who who had a stroke, and she actually, as a as a patient who is um, nonverbal being on the other side of having this really active brain but wasn't able to communicate, she was really aware of the kinds of energy people would bring into the room, of the kind of energy the different nurses would bring into the room while she wasn't able to communicate with them. And in her book, um, A Stroke of Insight, she actually really encourages us to be aware of the kind of energy that we bring to the room when we arrive. And it sounds to me like that's exactly what you were doing when you had set that feeling-based goal of working with love and purpose. It was being really mindful of the fact that you wanted to have that kind of energy within you and then, you know, putting that out into the world. Yeah, absolutely. And there's actually some research that's been done recently by Forbes magazine around um, mental health and small being uh, small business owners. And it's the idea of emotional contagion which is a real thing and it is basically around your emotions being contagious and those strong emotions can have a flow and effect to other people. And this research is really, um, really not surprising in a lot of ways, but what it found was that um, 30% of businesses, small businesses were failing based on the mental health of their founders because the mental health of the founders have such a big impact and flow and effect to the rest of the business. And so if you've got somebody at the top whose mindset isn't as sharp and as strong as it can be, um, that's impacting how they show up every single day, then it's no wonder that that translates into business results or lack thereof as well. Absolutely. And it just seems so obvious when you put it like that, doesn't it? Because it's not its not just the economic conditions and it's not just, you know, the situations that land on us. It's also how we choose to show up in the world and respond to that, which is exceptionally powerful. So I, I often, I've, I've noticed that you often say that you make positivity practical. So what does that mean? Yeah, so it's a great question. So for me, um, I'm, I'm not big on quotes and I'm not big on tips and things that can't be used, um, anything that's one way. Anything that I want to share, I, I want it to be two-way and I talk a lot about tools. So the, the slogan for my business is around um, simple tools for a happier life and that's because I want people to be able to pick up these habits and tools and tips and actually try them out and give them a go. Um, I have always talked a lot about positivity in my business, so positive thinking, um, taking a more positive approach to things because I do actually think that that's really powerful. But like I mentioned before, the word positive brings up lots of different thoughts for people. It can bring up that really, that Pollyanna image of someone that's over the top positive that actually grinds people's gears or that it's unrealistic or people think about positive thinking as something that people put in place when they're in their most kind of dire situations. But if you replace the word positive at any time with helpful, um, then it takes on a whole new meaning, I believe. So it's around positive, uh, instead of positive thinking, helpful thinking. What's a more helpful way to think in this situation rather than what's a more positive way to think in this situation? Um, And I, I really believe that that makes a big difference. So what are some of the reoccurring themes that you see in your coaching practice? Oh, so many themes uh, with the coaching clients. So 
I think we definitely overcomplicate things out of fear. Uh, we can create more noise around what is actually the one single next step that we could take to move towards our goals um, because it's easier to do that and it helps us kind of shy away from actually taking that step. Um, I think that often we think that decisions are more permanent than they actually are. So people might be looking at two different alternatives. Um, both of them might be great, but they're in that, that really um, indecisive time around, I can't make a decision and what am I letting go if I do choose one of these options? Whereas often we can change our minds in so many cases as well. So I see that happen a lot. Um, I see that our unhelpful thoughts get in the way of action a lot as well. So people making a lot of excuses around, particularly around time. Um, so thinking that they don't have the time to pursue a, a certain goal at the moment. And time can sometimes just be another way of actually saying that they're scared or they're unsure around the first step. Um, time is often something that comes up. It's actually the most common reason why my clients and, and tribe don't take action. Um, and also another thing that comes up is that sometimes people think that they're taking a lot of action because they're thinking about their goals a lot. So they're focusing on a goal that they actually want to pursue and they may be bouncing around in their head some alternatives or some options um, or they have some ideas around what they could do with it, but they're not actually taking any concrete action. And that can be a really dangerous space to be because you can find yourself a year down the track and in your mind you've been working on it or thinking about it or starting to progress it. But then if you actually had to put pen to paper around what you'd actually done, it might not actually amount to a lot. And so that's where the, the coaching is really powerful because you are working, you're validating people's thinking and you're giving them a chance to get it out of their heads, but then to helpfully sort it out and get clarity around what the actual next step is. Um, that they can take. And so how, how do you bust through the, I don't have time? Um, I think you, yeah, I think you reframe it. I think you help people understand by saying that they don't have time. How's that making them feel and how are they showing up in the world? Whereas if, if they were then able to see that there are little pockets of time or way that ways that they can actually introduce things or even align goals as well. So for me, um, I've been able to, um, I guess, align goals really cleverly in my life because I have had a full-time corporate role and I've been growing this business on the side with these small pockets of time. So how do you align interests where possible, um, align skills where possible? Um, how do you really pick um, the actions that you can take that give you energy as well? Um, so then that helps you find more time mm. as well. Yeah. Um, so I noticed that on your website, you actually have the five, I, um, five excuses, the top five excuses for people that show up to, you know, that often get in the way of people wanting to cultivate or being able to cultivate this. So you've got some fantastic resources on your website um, that people can turn to as well. One question that I has come up for me during our discussion was we've talked a lot about thoughts and, you know, there's the idea of, oh, we just think more positively and everything will work itself out. Um, but where, in your experience of, of, of having negotiated some pretty tricky times, is, is it all just positive thinking or do you think that there are some other allied skills or tools or 
things that people could be doing if they find themselves in situations that are pretty tough? Yeah, I think that I think positive thinking is really helpful or that helpful thinking is 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 helpful. The more positive emotion that we access, so whether it be um, happiness or joy or freedom or success, the more likely we are to actually take action. So I think it's it is important to focus on actually accessing those um, emotions when you can. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in positions where it's very hard to actually even think positively. It's even hard to think that I need to think positively or that that could help. And the kind of body of um, work that's out out there that sort of says just about, think, you know, just think more positively about the situation and things will work out. But sometimes that's not enough. Yeah, sometimes positive thinking isn't enough. You need positive thinking and, and positive action. And where the positive thinking can help is it can actually help you access um, positive emotions. So emotions like joy and maybe success or freedom or happiness. And those, when you're experiencing those positive emotions, that can be more likely to drive you to take action. Um, but yeah, one, one or the other isn't enough. And Negative emotions actually have a place as well because they can be really great teachers for us. Experiencing stress or anxiety or worry can actually be a red flag to us that something's not quite right and that we need to change something and that we maybe need to take some action and that that can actually drive action as well. And a third thing is if if you're too positive all the time and you're thinking that it will it'll just work out, um, that can sometimes trick us into not taking any action at all. So that positive mindset can actually be a little bit of an enemy or a bit of a hindrance and stops us taking action. And I know for me personally, this was a case with my money mindset. I was very positive around that everything was always going to work out. You know, I've got highly skilled, um, highly employable, um, really great experience, no signs in the future of any shortage of work. And, um, you know, I would think that everything's going to work out. I've got a few assets that I'm chipping away at paying off. And the thing is that you actually need to pay attention to things. You can't just necessarily be like, it's all going to work out. Um, And that leads you to a space of maybe denial or needing to pay attention and just making sure that things are actually on track when, when perhaps they might not be. Yes. So what I hear from you when you talk about that is it's, it's paying attention to what's going on and recognizing that you are empowered to actually do something positive about that. So even though it might be a difficult situation or something you're not sure about how to handle or um, something that feels like out of your control, acknowledging that that's the situation and then overlaying it with the fact that I can take some positive action in here no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. Those thoughts around um, I've learnt things before that I've needed to learn or I've learned things that I've been scared about learning or I've been able to start from scratch and build up experience before. So those helpful thoughts can really help us, but they're more empowering than it'll all work out. Yes, yes. So if we find ourselves under an avalanche of negative thoughts of that 65% of those 65,000 thoughts that we're having a day that are negative, how do we how do we start to move that? If we were in a work situation and we could feel some of those negative that those negative thoughts popping up, 
what what's some of the things that you would recommend that we could do? Yeah, so I would have a, a cheat sheet of more helpful thoughts. So I know from working with a, a client last year um, who was in a pretty demanding workplace, she was often having thoughts around, um, I don't know where to start when I don't know something or um, I don't know where to get help or I don't know how to do this or am I qualified enough for this? Um, some really big questions started to come up and really creep in and affect her confidence. And so we got her to spend some time thinking around what are the, the common thoughts that were coming up, both helpful and unhelpful, and then to actually write in the back of her notebook that she had with her 24-7 um, around a cheat sheet of some helpful thoughts to go to. And it's our thinking is just another process. And so people that have owned their own businesses or work in a business will know how important processes are to streamline and speed things up. And I think that thinking processes are, are just as powerful in in this uh, in this case and, and always as well. So in this case, this client had this list of more helpful thoughts in the back of her notebook and it was thoughts like, um, when I don't know where to start, these are the three actions that I know will help. And it was around calling someone friendly to know to get the first answers or start to try and um, navigate through a network um, another thought was around I've learned new things before uh, another thought was around I actually love learning new things and putting new knowledge into place and this is another opportunity to do that and so there was this list of go-to helpful thoughts that whenever she was feeling a bit anxious or she could feel her heart racing ahead of her um, or she was going into a meeting with unknowns where the outcome was unknown and the stakeholders were unknown, she could look back to that the thoughts in that book and, and understand that she was really effective in meetings and she enjoyed connecting with people. And so there were those reminders when she absolutely needed them um, to support how she was working, how she was connecting and that the outcomes and the impact of her work. So I'm a huge believer that things only get better when they get talked about but it's the conversation that we have with ourselves first and foremost that's one of the most empowering, impactful conversation that we're ever going to have throughout our whole life. So I love that tool. That's such a simple idea of how do I have a conversation with these hard thoughts um, and, and how do I talk about them in a, more, in a much more helpful way? And I love that, uh, that idea of replacing positive, which, as you said, can of, of, of often conjure up that whole Pollyanna, unrealistic, you know, not facing reality world with helpful, you know, is it helpful for me to be thinking about this situation in this way rather than this way? That, that's, that's a bit of a game changer, I think, right there. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. yeah. So um, what do you think the cost of not being aware of how your mindset impacts your your work and your life is? Oh, I think it's it's everything. Your your thoughts are the fuel um, for how your life is. It's it's a little bit like um, baking a cake and putting salt in instead of sugar and you know you might still get a cake at the end of the day but it's not going to be as delicious and amazing as it could be um you know it's a, another analogy is around putting fuel in your car when we come back to the fuel thing and if you put in fuel that's a bit damaged or isn't really going to prime your car to operate at its optimum then 
you know, if you're putting in the wrong fuel, then it can actually, you, the engine might not run really well and or it might actually do some damage. And so then your car might break altogether or it might be operating, you know, in a really, really poor form and not get you to where it need, needs to get you and you to be able to live the rest of your life. And negative thoughts actually leave traces in your brain um, and positive thoughts actually create new neurons to fire and they can it can actually change your brain as well. So I think the cost of, of not thinking helpfully um, is everything. And something that, that you and I have spoken about before is that movie, that throwback to the 90s, that great movie Sliding Doors um, where the, the lady, the main character, um, caught a train in one scene and didn't catch a train in the other scene by a millisecond of difference and how different her life could be. And I often think about times when I'm feeling like I need a little bit of courage. I think what, you know, this is one of those sliding doors moments. Is it really going to be um, helpful for me to maybe go up and introduce myself to somebody or to send that email or to, you know, chase that opportunity or to say no to something that maybe I, I really want to go to or that I, I'm planning on going to and spending some energy on because of a fear of missing out rather than because it's actually going to be the best thing for me as well. So, yeah, I think it, it's everything. So we have, that, we have that sliding door moment choice. You know, how am I going to choose to show up in this situation and how am I going to prime myself for the best positive outcome based on the values that I hold dearly, which is what you mentioned was the driving force for all of this way back when? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what three things would you like people to take away from our chat today? Um, I think that helpful or positive thinking is a habit and trying it once and it not working is a bit like picking up a tennis racket and being aced and assuming that you're not going to be good at it or it's not going to work for you. It's, it's absolutely a habit um, and it's one that I really strongly believe is worth investing in. Um, I think the second thing would be uh, don't overcomplicate things um, or, and, and apply lessons. Um, don't just collect things. Make sure you're applying them as well. And I know that we live busy lives. We've got lots of roles. We wear lots of hats. Um, and we've got lots of messages coming to us all the time from so many different sources that it can be really easy for us to forget who we are and to tune out of the smallest things that truly make us happiest. Um, and that's, I guess, where writing a top five is, is really powerful because you're getting a chance to tune in to the, the things that have really lit you up during the day and to be able to really collect data on, on what makes you happiest and, and brings the most positive emotions. Um, and I think the third thing would be around um, questioning your thoughts that aren't helpful and replacing them with something that is more helpful. It doesn't have to be the most positive thought that you've ever had to replace a negative one, but just how can you make a tiny shift and make, replace an unhelpful thought with something that is a little bit more helpful? And like we've talked about, it's, it's game-changing. Yeah, fantastic. Have you got any tips on how to make a habit stick? Uh, I think that I think paying attention to how you feel when you're putting a habit in place is powerful um, because if you're actually, rather than trying to think too far ahead around what a habit might bring to your life or to think too um, clinically, just be really tuned in 
day to day around how that new habit's making you feel and try and catch the wave of and the um, the contagiousness of those positive emotions. Yes, I have some um, sometimes heard for for things um, butting habits up against each other. So, like when you when you brush your teeth, um, that's also the time that you you know could potentially foster those five top things. Um, or you know you've got a habit of obviously getting into bed every night. If you had your journal and pe- pencil next to your bed. Um, or tucked in with your pajamas or something like that that it just became part of another habit it's sort of you know the the linking of the two together when you're trying to build a new one yeah that that's a great point yeah that habit stacking and pe- I know people some people write their top fives on the train on the way to work on their morning commute and even though they're not writing it at the end of the day um, and I found this myself if you're starting to tune into those positive moments from the day before you see more that day as well because you're actually you're priming your brain in the morning. The other thing as well is that some people have tried and and often write a top five with a partner or a sister or a, a, their parents or a friend and have that kind of the idea of that optimism buzzy, buddy, which can be really powerful as well. Um, the one watch out there I would say is make sure you're writing your top fives for yourself because if you're writing your top fives for somebody else to read or to share with someone else, then they might be influenced around what that the dynamics of that relationship. So I kind of, I encourage people to definitely do that, have someone that they share some of their top fives with, but don't feel they need to share them all, like share one or two uh, and keep, keep the others. If you're really honest with yourself around what has lit you up, then to, yeah, just make sure that you're honoring that as well for it to be as effective as it can be. Yeah. So they're absolutely for you in the first place, not necessarily for public consumption. And the other thing that I've heard about also in the gratitude practice is looking for unique things each day. So try, you know, and they're like you mentioned, they're the smallest things. Um, they don't have to be the big things, but the small things, but you, but unique ones. So you're not always just kind of putting a crutch under the same old things all the time. Yeah, that's a really good point actually, Kylie, because for me, my, my gratitude lists or my top five lists aren't around having a roof over my head and having a meal to eat. Um, it's all, it's moment based. So it's like a rolling journal. So it's capturing those, those moments and experiences that have happened every day um, rather than, yeah, the same, a same old list, which is definitely things that we should be appreciative of. Um, things like having a roof over your head and, and food to eat, of course. But yeah, for me, the focus is around, yeah, capturing those moments um, that are bringing that positive emotional, helpful emotion to our lives. Yeah, and I just remembered a couple of weeks ago I posted on Instagram that I had a really bad case of Monday-itis. So I just was like I was not feeling Monday and I was actually feeling a bit blue and down in the dumps and I and I knew that I had work to do and I actually posted on Instagram saying, I'm feeling a bit crap today. <laughs> like I'm having a bit of a Monday-itis but these are three things that I know that are going to happen today that I'm really looking forward to mm-hmm. and that I, I'm really really grateful for and I can tell you that you know it moved the needle on how I felt on that day um you know it doesn't mean that I was jumping around you know all smiles and laughter but it meant that it definitely had an impact to saying you know I'm going to be able to talk to this person today and I loved her and I and I wanted to be able to speak to her for months so this is a great day and I have to walk the dog today and it means that I get out and do some exercise and in some sunshine and and I'm grateful for that and it just it just moved the needle so so from someone who has actually absolutely experienced this as well, 
I'm totally in your corner. Where can people find out more about you, Claire? Uh, yeah, so over at top5movement.com, uh, I've got the site, which you mentioned before. So we've got over 100 tools there that people can use, get in and experiment with. And they're sorted by the five uh, most common excuses that hold us back. So we've done some research to discover what they are and then we've sorted each resource by those excuses. Um, and we've got also some more information over there on the top five. We've got um, a TEDx talk that I did five years ago around what the world would look like if, if everybody did the top five. So that's a great, a great way to introduce the top five tool to other people. Um, we have teachers using that in, in classrooms and workplaces as well. Um, and also we've got over there our award-winning happiness tool, um, our positive thought starters, which you can read a little bit more about as well. Um, and we're also, um, thanks to your influence actually, Kylie, we're, we're being more active on Instagram as well and, and sharing things like um, mindset hacks regularly and customer stories around how they've been able to implement the top five and what a difference it's made. And yeah, as many kind of tips and tools that we can possibly share, uh, we are doing that as well. And I love the thoughts, the positive thought starter cards because we sit down when we have dinner each night with the kids, and we have the deck of table on the the deck on the on the of the tape of the cards on the table, and um, we love pulling out the questions of you know um, what did you savor today? Was it a moment of stillness, a flower, or something that you ate, or you know what's the first thing that made you smile or laugh today? I'm pulling you know the cards out now and and having a look at them. Um, what made you feel confident, proud, inspired, or kind today? You know, these are the prompts that help you look for those unique moments or, um, you know, if you're having trouble thinking about how do I, where do I actually start, these cards are fantastic. And I've also done this uh, at a team, ex- as a team meeting as well um, within my team back in my corporate days, we would start our, our whips with the, with these kind of prompts and, you know, and so we were showing up in the way that, you know, actually built some more positivity in the team and kind of setting some culture, you know, about how we wanted to be in the world and the kind of things that we 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 really fostered as being important within our team culture. So I can see so many applications for the cards. I just love them. Yeah, thank you. They are, we've had a really great response. We've had um, teachers buying them. We've had um, parents finding them when Googling different and innovative ways to support their teenage children with um, anxiety. We've had um, a beautiful woman contacted me the other day and said she'd bought the cards to give to her parents and her one of her parents was actually living out their last days and he was unwell and she gave the cards to her parents so that they could really reflect on the positive memories in their lives. So, yeah, the applications are endless and Again, like writing a top five, anyone can use them. They transcend age and religion and each question I, I see as a tool because you have to do something with the question and they, if you pull out one of the questions and what, an example that often comes up is, what was your favourite smell from today? And, and for some people, reason, it always gets a bit of a giggle um, and people might not have an answer for it. But the next day, without a doubt, I get text or a phone call to say, you know what, I've actually smelt everything today. I've smelt my coffee. I smelt the person that sits next to me at work. I smelt their orange. You know, I was really tuned in. And it's the same thing. Like that's a simple example. But when you apply that to the other questions that are in the deck around well, um, what's one project that you enjoyed making progress on today or who's somebody that you 
unexpectedly connected with today um, or what one thing made you feel proud today, then you can actually see that the application of that over a long period of time and, and really sort of training your brain to focus on that can have a big impact. Yeah, it has a massive impact on ourselves and, you know, the conversations that we have in ourselves and and then the conversations that we foster around our boardroom tables, in our meeting rooms and around our dining tables. It's it's so powerful, Claire. I'm so I'm so grateful that I got to speak to you today. You're definitely going on my top five for today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I think as well, I just want to say, I guess, one caveat, if I can, around this, that is that there's still a place for critical thinking. And that that's where some of our greatest innovations have come from and some of the you know, invent, fantastic inventions is being able to put on those different hats. But when you've got that positive thinking habit, you are more likely to be able to be more creative, you're able to problem solve more, um, you're able to connect with people better, you're able to recall information. Like the, the benefits are just just incredible. And I heard a, um, Tony Robbins talking the other day about gratitude and he said that Um, it's not a passing phase or some kind of nice personal development BS and that he actually used to think that he'd be more driven and effective when he was feeling really frustrated or mad about something that that would drive him to actually come up with an answer but he actually said that when he's feeling grateful and he's coming from that foundation of, of positive thinking, he's more solutions focused and he's less defensive and he's more open to connecting with people and he's actually 10 times smarter when he's in that mode. And I think that's pretty exciting. Well, that's that Sean Aker research as well, going back to that positive psychology research. It's what comes first. Is it success or is it happiness? And we often think that, you know, we will will be more happier when we're more successful. So we need to keep striving for that success in order to be happy. But the opposite is actually true, is that happier people, people who are able to have more useful, helpful thoughts in their life, who are able to develop more confidence um, through acknowledging some of the you know, these things that you've talked about, about replacing those unhelpful thoughts with more uh, with more helpful thoughts, that is what actually breeds success. And you're actually, you know, you gave a perfect example of that throughout the throughout our interview today. So all, all more for having better quality conversations within our own head so that we can foster them in the communities that we find ourselves in as well. So thanks for your time today, Claire. What I'd love to do is just hang around for our 10 by 10. So are you ready for our 10 by 10? I'm a bit nervous, but I'm ready as well. These are 10 questions for you to, 10 sentences for you to finish off the end of them today. So number one, what I like about myself is? Um, I know myself well and I'm not too ashamed to laugh at my own jokes. <laughs> I beat procrastination by? Um, Hands down, every time using the Pomodoro app, it's amazing. A song on my life soundtrack is? Oh, so many songs. Um, uh, I walked down the aisle to this song, so I'm going to say Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. The world needs more? Generosity. A phrase I live by is? Uh, In a year's time, what will you be glad that you started today? Something everyone must do is? 
write a top five list, of course, (laughs) (laughs) or take out a Kiva loan as well. (laughs) A book that changed me. Um, Over summer, I read a book called 10 Times by Grant Cardone and he has been described as a crazy workaholic. He says this himself. Um, But basically he takes away chance and luck for business owners and he talks about um, massive amounts of action and massive amounts of action basically lead to luck. So I would not recommend it if you're wanting some downtime, but if you want to be fired up, then I'd recommend that book for sure. Fear and I... We can have a lot of fun when we're friends. Something that always makes me feel good is? Uh, A bath or exercise. And my legacy will be? I want to change that stat. Around 45% of Australians likely to experience a mental health condition. I want to disrupt people's unhelpful thoughts. I want to get our cards in the hands of a million Australians and, um, yeah, see what happens. Thanks so much, Claire. It's been a delight to talk to you today and thank you for all that you do and put out into the world. We really have a lot to be grateful for for your work. Oh, thank you so much for having me. That's all for this episode of In The Company. I hope you've enjoyed listening and tucked away a few gems to bring to your working life. To make sure you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to our channel. And if you've loved what you've heard today, please share it with your kinfolk who might also be in the need of some good company. And finally, if you feel so inclined, we'd be super grateful for a review on iTunes.